Christine. Uh, and on today's episode, we are talking about two movies with a theme. Was there a theme? Well, do you not think there's a theme between the two movies? Mm. There's, there's well, no that, connection between that one the actor we're was in both of them. Who was in both of them? That guy, I don't know. Can't remember his name. Dick Miller? <laughs> no, he was. Dick Miller was not in both of them. Okay, it's, it's um, usually a good call if he's in one movie and you're like, uh, "There's another actor who's in a lot." It's often Dick Miller because he's in a lot. I'll, of I'll look it up and I'll tell you, so I don't seem like All such right. a dumb. Well, tell but, people first what movies we're covering. Um, The Incredible Shrinking Woman. Uh huh. Nineteen eighty one. Okay, nineteen eighty one. I'll take your word for it. Thank you. And Inner Space. Nineteen eighty <clears throat> seven. Oh, thanks. I'll take your I word just, for it. I just looked it up. <laughs> you really don't think that there is something that both of them have happening? Oh, they got in? shrinking in it. it. Shrinking. I both movies have shrinking. Shrinking. You know, we could have picked a lot of movies about shrinking. The 80s was a very busy time for shrinking. Henry Gibson. Who's Henry Gibson? Who was he in either movie? <laughs> You're giving me a lot to pick from. Oh, yeah. He was the um, grocery store clerk in Inner Space. Oh, okay. And he was oh, and he was doctor the the scary doctor in uh, yeah, Incredible I think Shrinking so. Woman. Okay, he's a, he's a man of short stature. Which All I right. have no I'm I'm hey, as a woman of short stature, I'm just pointing that out. Uh, but yeah, so shrinking movies today of the 1980s. Yes. Before we do that, my dear, uh, let's talk about some other movies. Okay. All right. Specifically, the movies that you've been watching. When I say I have a tiny list, I really have a tiny list. Um, I'm going to tell you why. I want to hear why. I have watched. You better justify this. All of Drag Race. Yay! Okay, so are you all caught up? I am almost done with season eight, so I'm almost caught up. Okay, who are you rooting for in season eight? Kimchi. Oh, I do love kimchi. Yeah. And kimchi is can do stuff that no other drag queen has ever done on that show, which is that amazing makeup and artistry. Um, just really sweet, um, lovely individual, it yes. seems. So. Yes, and we also, for an early birthday present for Zach, we went and saw... Um, That's right! Drag you- Race Battle of the Seasons. How was it? it we were really far away, because I literally found out about it the day before. Okay. And I bought tickets, like some of the last tickets, so we were really not close. But it was great. Good. It was so great. And it was a good, you had a good group because it was Jinx. Jinx uh, was, oh my God. And did okay, you sing? Can, 
Can I take, can we talk about this real quick? Of course we um, can. Everybody, you're just going to have to listen to us talk about RuPaul's Drag Race. Shut up, everyone. <laughs> Calm so, down, people no, out there. Great. It was great. J- it was Jinx, um, Sharon, nice. Katya. Oh, my, my favorite of that season. Um, I, I know. I, we, I hadn't finished that season the last time we talked. Finished it. Yeah. Absolute favorite. Yep. Um, Ivy Winter. Ivy Winter. Was there. Um, we had like a really, uh, Ben de la Creme was there, which nice. was a big draw for me as well. So it was a really amazing grouping of people. Um, so they do um, stuff from Rocky Horror. <gasps> I... I, I cried. Like, Aww. I fucking cried. Aww. It was so amazing. It was so amazing. And um, Jinx sang that There's a Light song. Uh-huh. I don't know what it's actually called. Is it really called that? Uh, no. I think it's called... A... You know what's funny is I've asked that exact question. I think it's okay, actually called the... Over at the Frankenstein Place or something like okay, that. I don't know what any of those songs are called, but I know all the words to all of them. She sang that, and it was incredible. Of course it was. Like, I wanted, I, I, I wanted to just live in that moment forever and it kept going because like um so it was hosted by michelle and she yes massage for everyone wondering she's (laughs) saying that um that science fiction double feature really or whatever yeah so she's saying that and then it led right into jinx doing the other one which went right into the time warp where um sharon came out of course of course and it was so good like i screamed till i couldn't speak Aww. it was amazing <laughs> it was so good um so yeah that that's been taking up my life i also finished um the most recent season or the most recently available to me season of pretty little liars nice okay so now you know we won't say it say it but you actually know who a is by that time yeah <clears throat> excuse me very funny yes i would i think i think i said this to you a while back when I finished the season previous I guess which would be season five I really thought that was it and they were going to tell me who it was but they didn't so I got pissed and read IMDB oh (laughs) and then IMDB told me and as as season six happened I kind of was like oh I I do remember reading that but it didn't change it I still enjoyed it as much as I would have that's an interesting way to watch that season I think because funny we I was having this conversation with somebody about spoilers and, oh, well, if a spoiler ruins a show for you, that means the show doesn't stand without it, which isn't true. Like, I think what it comes down to is spoilers suck because they rob you of that experience of experiencing what the show wanted you to experience when it gave you reveals and stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, that's kind of cool to watch that season and and pick up on it or see see how they uh, go Yeah, there it. were... There were beats that I really didn't remember or, like, didn't retain, I guess. I guess I just did... I, I knew who A was. Right. Like, in a broader sense, and I think you probably know what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, I didn't... The connective tissue wasn't something that was in my brain. I enjoyed watching it. So, is there going to be a, a season seven? Oh, yeah, it's on now. They're oh, halfway there's... through. They already did their first oh. half of it. Because, remember, they do, so... like, two halves of a season. Damn, now they're me. in their summer season now. It's, it's I, five years later. I probably five years later from the last five yeah. years later. Uh, no, no, no. It's that five years later. Oh, Jesus Christ! Sorry, sorry. It's okay. It still um, makes no sense because, like, so now they're it's five years later, which means they're like what twenty 
24 yeah, or 23 kind of- and yet they all like have careers and and, are gay, know, and it makes no sense nobody it's is a- that put together when they're 23 it's bar- it's a bummer we are we are all emily at that age don't try to fucking tell exactly. me exactly um so i am pissed because I should be. I should have caught up sooner and tried to watch it on Netflix. Mm. I don't. I doubt they're all on Netflix now. I don't know um, which ones are, which ones aren't. So instead of doing that, we have decided to watch the last three seasons of True Blood that neither one of us watched. Okay, I, I never watched if- True Blood. My husband's a big fan of it. Uh, I watched one episode and didn't get into it. And I have a feeling if I went back, I would probably enjoy it because I like Alan Ball, and I, from what I understand of the humor, like kind of seems like it's up my alley. I'm but sure you would. I've just find never something. gone into it. Yeah, I mean, I can't say. There's a part of me that really digs it, but I don't know if it's if it's good. It's not like I understand first season of True Detective good. Like I don't go like True Blood is some great television, but for some reason it's just I like to watch it. Um, something about the summer, I think makes my attention span crazy short so <laughs> we just watch tv also we've that. been watching old episodes of svu so oh, i think i think m- my husband is trying to turn me into you <laughs> there's with- nothing that's there's nothing wrong with that i mean i might be a little biased in saying that but there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> it's okay fair enough totally. so all that tv talk aside um <clears throat> we watched i think it was on amazon a terrible movie called regression Okay, I don't, I don't know anything about this. It is Emma Watson. Is that her name? Uh, Hermione, Hermione Granger? Yeah. Okay. And um, Ethan Hawke? Yeah, I guess it's Ethan Hawke. It was so fucking forgettable. Never look at this movie, ever. Oh, it's terrible. That's, that's disappointing. I thought it was going to... It's like supposed to be about, about cults and like the satanic panic. Oh. But it like isn't. Oh. And then the thing it ends up being about, they don't even execute that well. Uh, all right. So. So even me, who's obsessed with cults, should not watch it. Uh, you know, I thought I would get something out of it, and I didn't. And you so didn't. okay, it's kind of long. I think it's like two hours. Oh fuck or, that shit! Or it felt like two hours. Come on, that's, you could have led with that. Yeah, sorry, it's two hours. Um, so I had never seen Independence Day. Really, really, and I wow. needed to. I needed to gear up for the sequel. <laughs> So we watched Independence Day, and it was like, whatever. I, I wasn't particularly... That, that is a hard movie to watch for the first time today. It was. It's kind of boring. It's... I don't know. I mean, it, it was... The thing is, when it came out... I was talking to somebody about this, because I was saying how, like, how fascinating is it that, think about a year ago, how excited everybody was for Jurassic World. Yeah. And how that, like, nostalgia... And there was something else that was a big hit that was also very nostalgia-fueled. And this year, Independence Day, Resurrection, or whatever it is, comes out. And it's kind of going for the exact same audience that mm-hmm. is, it's, I mean, it's us. It's the, you know, the, the people that were kids when the first one came out, that went to see it in the theater more than once. Like, it's that same exact audience, and yet nobody I knew cared. And I know it didn't do well at all. Um, it was, so, spoiler alert, I saw Independent, the Independence Day 2 movie. <laughs> Damn movie pass. Um, I didn't like the first one. I thought it was boring. I thought it it's focused on... It's a movie on- that uh, I think when it came out, there hadn't been anything like it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you think of the effects in that movie and the fact that they blow up half of the world. It's That it's was something also- you, you really hadn't seen in 1996. And since then, we've seen it 
in, in dozens of Independence Day knockoffs. It's shockingly brutal. It, um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the initial <laughs> alien attack scenes um, made me really uncomfortable. And like especially I, post 9-11. It, it gave me um, some really bad anxiety to yeah. the point where if it had continued, I probably wouldn't have continued watching it. I can understand uh, um, so yeah, and there is it definitely exists in a pre nine eleven world. Yep. Um, there are a lot of things in there. A lot of people's reactions that go like, "Oh, this is how people used to think." <laughs> so for that reason, it was interesting. So then you have post nine eleven um, Independence Day remake, which manages to somehow be less relevant, more hmm. boring. Huh. Um, so what was my tweet? I tweeted something really angry about wasting people in your movie. Mm. So there's there's two broads in that movie that are broad Charlotte Gainsbourg is one of them. Oh my god, I love her. Um and they waste her? So she doesn't do shit. Oh. I got so excited um to see these people in this movie. Oh, and the broad from I can't remember. It follows. It follows. Yeah, I can't remember Monroe, I think. Yeah, I think that might be right. So they're both in it. They don't fucking have shit to do in this movie. You know, oh, Celia Ward is in it, too. So, no one does anything, You though. cast great broads, and then you don't give them anything. They don't That's do anything. It's it's really strange. And then they give, they give some really interesting, weird hero moments to characters that you don't care about and that didn't earn it. Mm. It's strange. Jeff Goldblum's the only person in it worth looking at half the time. <laughs> It's just really wasn't good. It was it was it was offensively bad from a storytelling. Interesting. Um, okay. Aspect. Yeah, I yeah. can't imagine I'll ever watch it. I think it's going to be one of those. If somebody is watching it while I'm in the room, that's yeah. how I'll see it. But I just and them. I mean, I saw the original in theaters and had a great time. You know, I didn't love it. Like I didn't buy it and didn't quote it. Like oh, it was I just could, one of yeah. those. You know, I along with everybody else, I applauded when Bill Pullman said, "Today we celebrate our independence." I mean, I could see why, but f- yeah, it doesn't play the same seeing it for the first time now. But yeah, that remake was not good. Um, you know, it was good. And I think that you oh, saw. I think I think this is something we can easily agree on. Um, the shallows. The shallows was, the best was fantastic. Movie. <laughs> oh man! I, as everybody knows, I don't go to the theater much. I went to the theater for this one. I am so glad I did. It's so good. It's really fun. It's just it is exactly what it's supposed to be. Like you take um like oh, this is I go back to how how much I dislike the first couple of Fast and Furious movies. And the mm-hmm. real reason is you're like you don't have to do much. You set up, you've cast attractive people, you're giving me a pretty like you're setting it in a cool location. All you need to do is give me like cool car races and other stuff and the movie still fails me. And this movie it's like, nope, okay, you got a beach, you got Blake Lively looking hot, and you got a shark. Uh-huh. And that's all you f- and this a- movie doesn't waste a minute. That's exactly what it gives you. It's it's paced really well. It's paced so well. It's really smart. It is. And it's like you're you're watching it, you're never thinking like, Oh, she's so stupid. Oh, why would you why do you do that? Why do you do that? Nope. Nope. She's She's smarter than you. She's smarter smart. She dead. is resourceful. Mm-hmm. She is everything makes sense. Yep. Um, they they establish exactly what you need as far as, you know, when high tide comes and this and that and it's 
and without you know her having to narrate things or talk to herself in a really um, forced way. Like, nope. It's just it is a smart, smartly done movie, and it's so pretty. Yeah. It is really attractive. Mm-hmm. It's a really attractive film. It's really good. Um, I I don't like when people say that it, things are better than they needed to be. Yep. But it really was like the best case scenario for this setup. And you, I mean, compare it very easily to Open Water, which is a similar mm-hmm. story about people stranded in the ocean with sharks. And Open Water is is like 80 minutes long it's a really short movie and that movie drags so much uh there are so many shots in that movie of just the sky and clouds moving because they did not know how to fill up that much time with that scenario and this this is the same scenario but fills it up perfectly Mm. got a motherfucking seagull and that's the seagull is a really interesting point because it's an emotional movie without being manipulative Mm -hmm. yep yep like it's and that's hard to do because they they set up a few scenarios and I was like these motherfuckers yeah. but then they didn't they didn't they didn't do what you think that they, they were going to do with just her. enough like you know they introduce okay her you know her mother died she's still not over it oh she dropped out of med school she doesn't finish things okay that's all I need to know about this character and those things aren't hammered on later it's not like you know glimpses of her mother as she's dying like no it's just it gave you just enough about this character so i know her i understand who she is as a person she has a little bit of personality okay that's all i need so in summation the shallows was fantastic shallows is so good really worth the trip just a good summer movie it was great yeah love it yeah okay in summation. In summation. Um, I went to the theater um, to see Cruel Intentions. Oh, they were doing, uh, like, did you get to, like, dress up like Sarah Michelle Gellar, or? Oh, that's every day. Well, obviously. Uh, um, they do something at the the Alamo Ritz, like, on downtown Austin called Fancy. Girly Eat. I'm sure they do girly night at other Alamos, but they so they have like signature cocktails and they show like a girl movie, quote okay. unquote. And one of one of the girls I work with had an extra ticket, and she's like, "Would you go to the movies?" And I said, "Depends." She's like, "It's cool intentions," and I was like, eh, "All right, <laughs> yeah, maybe." Um, every time I've seen this movie a few times, every time I see it, I am surprised by the ending. <laughs> I mean, it is a not the ending you expect from a movie it's like very that. jarring. Yeah, it comes out of nowhere. And if you've never seen it, go see it. Or if you've seen it several times, it will still apparently surprise you. I am surprised every time. Every time I have to stop and think, huh? Is that what really happened? I guess so. <laughs> is this a director's cut this time? <laughs> Strange. Um, I hate it. It's such. I don't. I don't think it's a good movie. I mean, I it's terrible. Have, but I don't have very. Very. I, mean, I know a lot of people have a lot of affection for it. I don't really have affection for it. Yeah, but it's I, trashy. It's it's I fun for that. But compulsively watch it. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> um, went to the theater again. Whoa! Saw the new Purge movie. Me too. Oh, did you? Really? I did. I was gonna say I went twice this week, but I. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was okay. I loved it, but you, I was primed to love it. I I liked it more than Zach did. Zach was kind of like, Meh. but okay. I was like, yeah, I liked it. Um, he did keep talking about it, and I pointed that out 
Mm. Like you keep bringing it up. So clearly there it was had something some kind there. of effect on you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just, I, I think that I liked the, the second one better. This was my favorite of the three. Interesting. Yeah. See, I, I actually, I defend the first one because I feel like. I like the first one. The, and the first one kind of, ha- people don't realize it. The first one had balls. Because what the first one did was it gave you this crazy premise and then basically said, okay, we're setting up this world for you, but we're just going to explore it in this really small level. And clearly from the beginning, he had a full world and full concept ready. But whether it was budgetary or what, he decided, okay, for the first installment, I'm just going to focus it on this really small like home invasion story. Mm-hmm. But you can, I was rewatching the first one the other day on cable, and you could see there's a lot going on in the in like throwaway lines and other things where you're like, oh no, he totally was setting stuff up that comes out in the later ones. Mm-hmm. And I like I give him a lot of credit because I think everybody's reaction to the first one was great print missed opportunity. But I think there was a very good chance a movie like that would would have flopped and he never would have gotten to make a second one. But instead what he did was he made a movie that made you want more because you're like, well, give me the... Like, I want to see everything else. And then I think Anarchy, I think the sequel, tries to do too much. I just think it's him saying, okay, you wanted more, I'm going to give you everything. And I think it's not... I don't think James DeMonico is a good enough filmmaker to give you that much in a way that really works stuff works about it Mm -hmm. um but i just think it's it's too messy for its own goods too ambitious and this one i think was like the perfect balance (laughs) because it's fun and it's still so political and so you know very level one angry politics Mm -hmm. but it's also like eh, you know it's kind of ballsy and then the, the other side to that is it's really just goofy and crazy and uh over the top and fun I didn't find it fun. What was your theater like? Was you did you have like a a big theater where were, were people reacting to it? Yeah, My I theater crowd so. was so into it. Like I mean, everybody was cheering, everybody was laughing. We had a yeah, I think we had a good a good crowd. Okay. There, yeah, there were some laughs. I'm trying to think back now. It was it was good. Um it was full, it was diverse. Um I don't know. There were parts of it that um, I found upsetting, and then I felt like um, those the things that I found upsetting were almost cheapened by the the sudden hyperviolence. Okay. I know that sounds ironic when you're talking about that movie, but they they start throwing bullets towards the end. They, and yeah, just... and I think that's where uh, it's the kind of like I I like that James DeMonaco keeps going. Like he just clearly he has a lot of ideas. He wants to keep going. But I would have no problem with seeing other directors tackle this. Yeah. Because I think there's so much potential to do... I mean, you could do the first the first purge where people didn't go that far. You could do it, you know, set in a different city and so on. And I think, like, a lot of different directors would have a different thing to say. And I think you could make it much sadder and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I want to watch the first two again. Mm-hmm. I don't have. I know. I know. I watched them. I have memories of watching them, but I would. I can't really. I don't know. That's fair. I want to see them both again. Well, I'm impressed that you went to the theater twice. No, me too. Um, the last movie I watched was I Am Legend. Okay. Um, 
that movie's real, real good, except for that that last little bit. Yeah, well, which, and there's two endings. There's... So, I hadn't seen the other ending until this last viewing. Okay. And it was really good. I feel like both, I don't, I don't think I like either ending, but one of them, and I think it's, I think I actually prefer the theatrical ending. There is one ending that's just overtly Christian, right? Well, where he saves everybody. He wants to save everybody. But the whole, the crux of the story is that they're not there to be saved. The original, like, whatever adaptation or not. They're not there to be saved. Will Smith right. has become the other. He is now othered. And he has to realize that he is he is maybe not the protagonist of the story yes. anymore. There is one ending that definitely does that, and there is one ending that definitely does not. And one of them is not to get that all in on a soapbox, but one the one that isn't is very much like all hail the patriarchy because dad came and fixed it and he mm-hmm. came up with his cure and now we're all going to be okay whereas the other one is like things evolve things change hey maybe you're the one that became the monster mm, okay so i love i love it i love it <laughs> then I, love I remember it. i mean like everybody i think I, my feelings were that first 45 minutes is great so good yeah it's a bummer that they decided to do all CGI for the, for the yeah, creature. and that's and that's the thing is the it it does a remarkable job of setting up what you can't see, but establishing this threat and giving you a character you're totally on board with, and then it kind of goes into a typical movie that you don't necessarily that you've seen before, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm. So the theatrical is the one where he. I'm very curious about this. I don't remember. It was so. I mean, I the, watched it. I remember actually illegally downloading it. Oh, look at you! I know this is back in my youth when I was wild. The theatrical is where spoilers, everyone. Will Smith. <laughs> Will Smith dies. Yeah, it, and he gives he gives the the lady that shows up the cure. Okay. And he sacrifices himself, and he's standing there yelling, let me save you, you know, I can save you. I'm Jesus, I mean, that's in the subtext, I'm not supposed to say that out loud. So, like, I can save you, I can save you, basically asserting that they are, you know, abominations that are worthy of being saved. And in the alternate, he realizes that they didn't care about him, they just wanted the the one one of them that he stole to do experiments on, and that he's been torturing. Oh, yeah, okay. And it's so fucking good. Huh. Granted, again, they all look stupid, because that design is stupid, and didn't it didn't look good then, right. and it didn't age well. <laughs> but it was, like, so good, and I don't know. We should do um, Last Man on Earth and Omega Man. Yeah, I love Omega Man. I don't know that I've ever seen Last Man on Earth. You would really like it, I think. I should watch it. It's public domain. It's, I think I probably own like five different copies of it. I was going to say, yeah. It might not be the best copies, but yeah, it's exactly. true. Yeah. No, but so Omega cool. Man, I'm a big fan of. I love Omega Man. Yeah, we should cover those. We okay. should. Okay, I'll stop talking. Go ahead. I should write that down so we don't forget. Um, okay, so me... Let's see. Uh, um, I also had a, a big TV binge because I had to watch all of the uh season four orange is the new black before it was spoiled for me even though it was uh, still spoiled for me just because really? 
Yeah, because websites don't understand that when you put out an interview with an actor from the show and headline your interview that's just on your main page that isn't before you even click anything says so and so talks about that uh you know that huge scene and uh, that sad goodbye or something like that you're like Ugh. oh okay so i figured out very quickly i guess this character something happens to um but that aside for those who do watch the show or haven't watched, kind of gave up here and there, season four, head and shoulders, way better than the first three. Really? This was the best season of this show, yeah. Because they, I think what happened halfway through, or towards the end of season, once season one aired, and I think the way it was received, season two came out, and they, whether they intended to or not, they leaned more on humor. And it became a very, like, lighter, kind of quirky, more, almost more comedy than drama. And it mm-hmm. also seemed to want to, it went from being the show that gave you, you know, two sides to every story and fleshed out these women that normally you might just think are, you know, criminals, to, oh, they're all criminal. they're like, even if they're criminals, no, 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 we want you on their side, so we're going to give them a really sad backstory, so you're totally with them. And season four kind of seemed to... Uh, step back from being like really gooey and sweet and instead was much harsher mm-hmm. so like dark things happened again but not cheaply um, and it just it all this like I wasn't bored by any of the subplots going on so I was really happy with it and I was happy to finally be like satisfied by this show that has so much potential and you know is giving you things that no other show is giving you just because no other show is casting these actors as anything yeah, you know that's a good point yeah uh, so I yeah really enjoyed season four movies let's see um, I have been watching a lot of Lifetime movies Christine shocking I know Uh and there, I, yes, I've been watching a lot of Lifetime movies for various reasons. Oh, I'm glad reasons. you finally admitted this. Oh, I've never had a problem no, admitting I'm... I watch a lot of them. <laughs> but this week in particular, like the, like the last couple of weeks, I just have been watching a lot of Lifetime movies. So, and I think it's because like I've been like a, 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 t- a smidgen depressed because I hurt myself. Um, I bruised my ribs playing soccer. I don't like hearing that you've it, been this. Yeah, I know. I don't like it either, Christine. Uh, so, like, I haven't been able to be active, and I've been really bummed about it, so I... I, I miss this. I've completely stopped going on Facebook. I didn't know, because it makes it gives me anxiety. Oh, I can, so under- Facebook I can understand gives me that. anxiety, so I don't check it anymore. Um, what happened? Are you okay? Yeah, I was playing soccer. I'm on a soccer team, and two weeks ago, I was playing really aggressively. Like, I got the whistle blown on me for tripping someone. Uh, and at one point, um, a guy had the ball, and the guy was much bigger than me. Because, you know, I'm not that big. I'm 5'1". And I kind of must have run kind of full speed at him while he was running fairly quickly. And Mm -hmm. I just bounced off of him and went down and and got up right away. I'm like, whoa, I'm going to feel that one tomorrow. And then, like, a week later, I'm like, I think I need to go to a doctor because I'm still feeling it. Really? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I actually went to a doctor. 
Oh, it must have been the third time in my 30s I've been to a doctor. You must have been in so much pain. It sucks. Yeah, well, because I was trying to, like, not, I I I went running one day. I'm like, ooh, this hurts. Oh, this hurts. Like, for two miles, I was like, yeah, that kind of hurts. And then I tried again two days later. I'm like, you know what? No, I don't think I should be doing this. And then I go to the doctor. She's like, no, you should not be doing that. Um so it's been a lot of like I'm on, I'm I'm on painkillers, which is awesome. <laughs> is there anything they can do other than tell you to like take it nope. easy? And all you yeah. do is rest with it. Apparently, uh, yeah, no, there is no like rejiggering or anything. Like it's just oh no, you just have to wait they for can't it to put heal. a cast on that. They can't. They do not put like a giant cast and sling on there. Nope. Um, so it's not fun. Uh, and I think that's kind of why I've been, like, comfort fooding on, like, Lifetime uh, movies. I get that. Yeah. So one of those Lifetime movies was called Running for Her Life, and it was about an athlete. Um, so that made me feel great. I was going to say, for the whole time, were you like, and I can't run for yeah, my life? Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're yelling at her for being on the treadmill. I can't even walk on a treadmill. Uh, but this was also kind of great. Starred Claire. Remember Claire Forlani? How could I forget Claire? Yeah, Claire? so she's in a Lifetime movie called Running she for Her Life. She looks like an alien, but in a good she way. She still looks like an alien in a good way. Yeah. She plays this, like, mom who's, who like, a working mom and, and wife who's uh, also, like, a, a triathlete. And she hooks up with a new run, new coach and trainer. And the trainer is just crazy. And after the very their very first session, you cut to the trainer, like, talking in her little, like, microphone and saying, you know, it's it's going to be very easy for me to manipulate her. Like, just comes out and says it. Doesn't even try to sugarcoat it. And so the trainer's just crazy and obsessed with her and tries to ruin her life. Um, it's fun because it's the same Lifetime story you always see, but it has, like, a very different take in that, like, she's just crazy training her, and that's kind of fun. Like, Claire Forlani is on a, on a, um, on a bike, like, doing, like, insane spinning, and the trainer's just yelling at her for not being fast enough and for sucking, and that's different for a Lifetime movie. What a a strange premise. I know, seriously. (laughs) Um, and a similar, so, there was a lot of, like, shocking, actually, okay, so three out of the four Lifetime movies I watched were about obsession. Uh, the next one is called A Teacher's Obsession. Okay. And this was about a teacher who gets obsessed with a student, not in the way you're thinking. Uh, it's a female teacher. Wants them to get good grades? Yes. She um, zeroes That's in. That's exactly what I was thinking. Oh, I, well, then your mind, you're on the lifetime vibe, I guess. Mm-hmm. She just decides, like, oh, this girl has a spark and I want her to go far. So this girl who was, like, having trouble with her grades, the teacher is, like, gives, like, the teacher, you know, obviously is, like, writing an essay for her. The teacher seduces the calculus teacher so that she can get the, not only get the test answers, but also then text the calculus teacher during the exam, giving the girl a window to sneak out the answers and replace the test. That's de- that's a good teacher right there. That's a dedicated teacher who cares about her students. Based on a true story. Obviously. <laughs> uh, then the other... Actually, this was... Um, I lied four out of five, because I watched both the original Mother May I Sleep With Danger and the... <gasps> I uh, think I knew you were... The reimagining were of Mother May I Sleep With Danger. Oh, I want to see it. So I... I mean, I kind of had to embarrass myself and say I had never seen the original Tori Spelling Mother May I Sleep With Danger. Somehow it eluded me. 
Uh, I, I haven't either. I mean, I know like jokes about it. And oh, it's glorious. It's it's it's. Stuff. I mean, it's just it actually wasn't a it wasn't a lifetime. It was made for film. And they couldn't sell it, so it ended up airing on, like, USA or NBC as a, you know, made-for-TV movie. And it's just, you know, Tori Spelling is a young college student who falls in love. And, of course, you know, the guy's obsessive and crazy. And it's just all the tenets of a Lifetime movie about an obsessed man in love with, you know, your doe-eyed heroine. So the remake, which is written by James Franco, um, is really fun because what they do is it is also a you know college girl who falls in love and it turns into obsession except it's actually she falls in love with a woman for one thing so that's oh i thought i saw this preview or trailer in like a or commercial rather in in a movie theater i thought it was about vampires at first oh yeah she's a vampire oh my god and vampires oh yeah no lesbian vampires baby lesbian vampires um, and it's, I mean, it's funny because like Brandon kind of was like walking in as I was watching it, and he kind of said he's like, you know, it actually sounds like a like a real movie, <laughs> as opposed to all the other Lifetime movies I watch. Uh, and it is like the the cast is good. Like Tori Spelling plays the mom, of course, um, but the lead actress is is actually pretty good, uh, and she's not like cookie cutter Lifetime, which is a nice twist to it. Um, it. But it, yeah, it is about lesbian vampires. That's shocking. it's fun. I think you would actually really dig it. It's kind well, of it's like your kind of movie, I think. <laughs> well, you you had me at lesbian vampires. Obviously. Yeah, I don't like. I didn't realize what I was seeing commercial for, and and then I did, and I was like, but wait. So I'm wrong. I thought there's vampires in it, but <laughs> there can't be because of what it is but i guess i was right oh yeah you can have lesbians and vampires in the same movie christine obviously i thought (laughs) i mean only if you have the uniting force that is tori smelling but still i was gonna say james franco but so wait there weren't vampires in the original right no there were no vampires okay i I guess that's why i'm so confused however however one could make the analogy that the obsessive boyfriend was kind of like a vampire feeding well, off of Tori Spelling without giving her anything in return. I what love it. About that's, that? that's beautiful. That's right. People, we are a professional film podcast. Professional. Mm-hmm. Now, one other Lifetime movie I watched. Uh, center stage on point. This is, is it the- about ballerinas it is about ballerinas yeah Yay! what i found great about so um the first center stage came out in around 2000 i think and mm-hmm. i i really like that movie it's it is kind of like fame but like a really pg rated version of it <laughs> and it's about ballerinas and it treats dance with respect um but it's also it's it's pretty light like it, it you know there's like bulimia and stuff um, but it's yeah. also something about the and so then they did a sequel that went straight to video that of course I watched and the sequel is not as good but it's still about dance the dancing is still great in both of mm-hmm. them both films I would say have this like nice thing where they're both pretty sex positive oh that's good which is refreshing for movies like that that are usually very prude yeah uh, and so then and something I always, I also really liked about the movies is that clearly they were very dedicated to casting dancers who could act. Like, oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, the people in those movies, like, I think with, like, one exception, they're not using body doubles. Like, no, they're real mm. dancers. Now, the third one, 
um, goes for a younger demographic. And instead of casting dancers who could act, they cast dancers who could talk. So right. it's much, it's younger, it's much more innocent. The most, yeah. of the, most of the actors are really clearly there for their dancing abilities, not for their acting abilities. And mm-hmm. it's just much lighter and fluffier. It is as predictable as you could possibly imagine. Um, and there wasn't as much dancing in it. So if you're a center stage completist like myself, you should watch it. <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing until this moment. <laughs> There's always a completist of something. Don't forget. Uh, but otherwise, true. if you're like, and if you're a big dance movie fan, it doesn't hurt. Like it's, you know, it is what it is. But it wasn't necessarily worth uh, seeking out. Okay, then a few more on Amazon Prime. Currently, Room is streaming. <gasps> so I watched that. And oh, I, lo- I thought it was great. Yeah, it was good. I- I'd read the book and I really enjoyed the book. Um, and I was very curious to see how how they would handle it. And mm-hmm. it's the screenwriter is the author of the book. And I yeah. think she actually did a phenomenal job of knowing what was going to work on screen and what wasn't and where to emphasize and where to pull back and everything. Uh, and the performances are obviously ridiculously good. Um, so, yeah, it, it is, I think, as good as as you probably heard. You were a fan of it as well, I believe. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. It didn't ruin me as much as I expected. Okay. But that's okay. Yeah, and, it's okay. And it's, I don't I don't need to be decimated after a movie. Yes. And it is a very hopeful movie too. It is yes, it is. sad because terrible things happen, but it is ultimately uplifting. So Yeah, that little boy is oh, he, that amazing. Kid, that kid and is he's so in a good. shit ton of stuff. I'm I'm not surprised because he is so good that after- like if every film like if any film has to cast like a kid that age for the next like five years the first call they're gonna make is that kid he's after so i that. saw it i he was popping up in everything i don't know it's it, he's great and yeah. he's very likable so yeah. Oh, yeah very natural not cloying not annoying yeah, not at all. which is very easy at that age to be um yeah i'm i look forward to seeing his career turn out uh, you're going to be happy about another one that I watched. This was on HBO what? Go. The Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials. Oh, I love Scorch Trials. I love these movies. <laughs> How say you? Uh, I like them. I like them a lot. Uh, I've read the books. I read the series. And I think this is a case where I think the movies are um, are are better than or took the material and took out what yeah. they didn't need. And the, like the books uh, get very bogged down by the details of the story without ever making sense. Like I still don't yeah. really know what happens in the books, but it's been I've so much time that. talking about it. The movies and are kind of like of, you were there's saying? apparently a lot of unnecessary lingo oh, in God, the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't tolerate that. No, it, it gets really annoying, and I know some people get annoyed more than others. But yeah, there's a lot of him trying to make his own language and it's not fun uh and i mean the movies pare it down the movies are very action-based but effectively so great cast um diverse cast which is really nice to see Mm -hmm. um and i mean essentially it is a really a horror zombie movie for teenagers oh i think that's awesome it doesn't talk down to them it's it, it has such a good cast both the kids and the adults like you brought in Jean Carlo Esposito, yeah, that's badass. Oh yeah, forgot. Yeah, so I'm. I I know there was some. Uh, 
uh, an accident for the with the lead actor that is delayed filming on the next one, which is very yes. unfortunate. So hopefully that you know he gets better and such. Um, but yeah, this this is a really a nice to see franchise that's doing it right. Yeah, I think he's okay. Okay, Dylan O'Brien like fell off a car, oh. and they he was so injured that they had to stop filming. Yes. Like yes. they were just gonna they were just gonna like hold off, but mm. they just stopped. Um, I, I can't wait until we get the new one. Yeah, I'll be excited to see it. Uh, okay, we watched uh, the uh, televised version of the 1982 production of Sweeney Todd with oh, with my girl Angela Lansbury. So this is the Broadway musical. It's the filming of it uh, with most of the original cast, not all, but mm-hmm. it's. I, I don't know. It's it was airing on TCM one night, so it's out there. And just if anybody is a musical fan, it is brilliant, it is dark, it is grisly, um, and Angela Lansbury is a goddess, but we already knew that. Uh, and then I just have two more. So one is, um, you talked about the new Boogeyman movie a few years uh-huh. ago. So I couldn't find that one, but I did find the 1980 version <laughs> Boogeyman <you>? movie. <laughs> yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. Hooray. Yeah, so the Boogeyman, directed by Uli Lomel, mm-hmm. uh, who is not a man you associate with quality. Uh, this is 1980. This is a horror movie about kids that. So when they're okay, follow me on the story. Okay, because I remember for years. I'll do my like, best. I know there was a slasher called Boogeyman, and it involved a mirror somehow. That's all I knew. And so then I read the synopsis. And I'm like, oh, this is the one. Let me watch this because I have such like fleeting memories of it as a kid. So, two little kids who are watching their mother have sex with her boyfriend, okay. and they're laughing, and the boyfriend gets pissed, so he ties the boy to the to a bed, and then the, the girl unties the boy, and he stabs the parents to death. Jesus. And then 20 years later, the sister starts having flashbacks, and she goes to the original house where this happened in, she breaks a mirror, and somehow that releases an angry spirit, and there's lasers. Uh, that's essentially the movie. I don't really understand how there's a boogeyman because there's nothing to establish why this man would have been a boogeyman. Yeah. Um, this is, I mean, it's not good by any means, but it's, it's so of its time because it's right at the time of The Exorcist and Halloween and the mm-hmm. Amityville Horror. So it's like all of like the big horror movies of that era mixed into this one. Yeah. Uh, so it's different because it's, you're, if you're so used to you know, oh, I'm going to watch an 80s horror movie. It's going to be a slasher. It's going to be like every other slasher. Well, this is like everything that came before it. So it's, it's interesting on those, on, on that level. And then the last thing I watched was a disc via Netflix. Uh, Don't Look Back with Monica Bellucci. Oh, weird. Okay. We were just looking at this streaming because it's streaming on Amazon. Oh, damn and I said, it. Isn't oh. it? I waited like forever for that I think, DVD. I think it is. No, that's so funny because it used to be streaming on Netflix and I said I really fucking dropped the ball when I didn't watch it on Netflix. It's cool that it's, it looks like it's now on Amazon. Maybe I had a Showtime free trial so maybe that's why mm, I was seeing it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, we were just reading it and I said it's got a really good cast. I bet it's probably good. Yeah, that Monica Bellucci and Sophie Marceau. Yeah. So, what say you? Um, I really liked it. This is it's Marina Devan is the filmmaker, and she I've seen two of her films or two other films. One was uh, In My Skin, mm-hmm. which have you seen? Um, no, but I know. Okay, people... that's one that I would totally be up for covering one day. Yeah, it maybe is... that yeah. would be good because 
people have bring it up to me in conversation and I, yeah it's I, definitely one you should see because it's very i mean it's, it's it's a new body horror film essentially it is body horror <laughs> but in this very different way and she um she she stars in that also and it just goes places and it's gross and odd and then another movie she made that I've brought up here before, because I've used it as my Netflix recommend, uh, was a horror movie called Dark Touch. And that was not French. That was, I think, filmed in Scotland, I think. Mm-hmm. Or Ireland, maybe. And that is about a little girl who kind of has these, like, carry-like abilities to move things and cause destruction. Yeah. Which sounds kind of, you know, like a typical, okay, evil child movie, except it's totally not uh, I would kind of liken it to the way Oculus, it's like, oh, it's a killer mirror movie, except it's, it's actually it's about not. abuse. And yeah. this a Dark Touch is kind of like that. Like, oh, it's an evil child movie, except it's actually about an abused child. Cool. And it really, um, it was one that, like, I wa- like, remember watching it and being, like, into it. And as soon as it ended, I was like, oh, my God, that was not about what I thought it was about while I was watching it at all. Like, that's about this girl being abused. Um, and it's really good and really well done and nobody i know nobody else has talked about it or watched it so i keep pushing that on people so don't look back is probably her like highest profile film Mm -hmm. uh because i mean it is it's a bigger cast and this is uh it's good it's monica or well she starts as sophie morceau is a you know woman who's married with kids and has a good job and but she doesn't remember like the first eight years of her life and she starts trying to you know dig up the past and little by little her she doesn't her perspective starts becoming kind of questionable so you know she looks at a picture and she sees her kids and she's like those aren't my kids and they're but they are and she looks at her husband she says when did you, you have blue eyes you've never you always had brown eyes and she sees pictures of herself and she looks different so it's kind of about this you know is she crazy is she what's going on mm-hmm. and she kind of you know digs back and finds it out uh, and again, I th- really well done. Um, I think Marina Devan's a fascinating filmmaker, and I am excited by what she does. And all three of her films have, have had things in common, but are still very different and very yeah. different from other things. So it, it's a hearty recommend from me. But um, yeah, we are definitely going to have to check out some of her stuff at some point. We should. Yeah. I don't know if any any of it's streaming. Dark Touch might be streaming still. I'm not sure, but worth watching so uh and those were my movies Ooh. so how about that that was good i know now are we gonna Lots have as nearly as much to say about the movies today no well why don't we take a break <laughs> oh i really feel like we're, we balance each other out I we're really so. good we're really good compliments <laughs> we got that you know you know <laughs> you're, you're tall i'm short you have yep. short hair i have long hair you have fresh Happy ribs. I have bruised ribs. Yep. My yeah. ribs are fresh and happy. And mine are sad and angry. Oh, so, see? How thing. about that? All right. So let's go chronological. Start with uh, Shrinking Woman. Yeah, let's do it. All right. We'll take a quick break. Come back and then talk about Joel Schumacher's The Incredible oh, yes. Shrinking Woman.
1981, when both of us were in our mother's wombs. I might not. No, I wasn't. Might yet. not have been. That's right. I, I was because I'm so. a February. So I was definitely in there. You were. I. I wasn't. You were. Okay. Good. Everyone. Uh, so knows. while I was in my mother's womb, Lily Tomlin was starring in The Incredible Shrinking Woman. Uh, directed first film directed by Joel Schumacher. Shocking. Now, Christine, give me a quick rundown. How do you feel about Joel? Sh- People can have very strong opinions about Joel Schumacher. I'm gonna say I am indifferent at best. Uh, I am. <laughs> I'd have to run through his filmography movie by movie. Well, how about f- I do that right now? Because okay. I like to to form a strong opinion. So, like that to me, the fact that I don't come to the table with a, an opinion makes me feel like I'm indifferent. Well, right, Joel Schumacher is such a, a fascinating. Has an odd career. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. Because his he has films that are so different from each other but also there are certain aspects of his films that you're like whoa there it is whoa there it is yeah uh and very in terms of qual like the final product the quality varies so much oh so i'm gonna run through his filmography because i think it's interesting credible shrinking woman dc cab which is oh i love fun DC and cab, crazy though. St. Elmo's Fire, which is one of those movies that like when you're a teenager you think's really cool and then you watch it as an adult and you're like oh grow up I've never seen that. You don't need to. Okay. Uh, the Lost Boys. Love. Which I love as well. Cousins, I don't know. Flatliners, which we talked about not Just too long ago. watched. That, now, that movie is like, you're watching it, and you're like, huh, this is a Joel Schumacher movie, huh? And then, like, oh, wait, there's some Joel Schumacher shit. Like, <laughs> he just starts throwing it in there. It's, yeah. It's, it's bizarre. It's very bizarre. Dying Young with Julia Roberts. Uh, falling Down, which... <gasps> Many, I mean, I like it. Many a person I know is it's in their like top five. Oh, really? It's not definitely not, not but I like it. Mm-hmm. The client, kind of straight John that? Grisham adaptation. Now we get to where it gets interesting. Batman Forever. Damn right. <laughs> a time I'd to say, kill. Which is, I'd say that most of most versions of myself would say that that's the best Batman movie. Really? <laughs> I have weird opinions. Wow. Yeah. I won't. I won't tell my husband. He's not a fan of Joel Schumacher's output. Uh, a time to kill. Yes. Which again is is I guess like along the lines of the client, which is a good adaptation of a John Grisham novel. It's. Mm-hmm. Very. Um, I remember liking it. Yeah, it, it's it's good. It's fine, but it's just there's nothing. You don't watch it thinking that's the guy that made Batman Forever, much less Batman and Robin. Oh yeah, Batman and Robin's obviously garbage, but I was obsessed with Batman Forever, like ob yeah. fucking set. Well, I mean, I've that, that it's funny because I, I had a best like one of my best friends at that age. Same thing. Sounds awesome. Yeah, because we were like, but, in, I think ninth grade when it came out, or so. Yeah, really young. Yeah, um, like just that. I mean, that's who that movie is made for. It was made for young teenagers. Exactly. So I can't. I can never. And I don't question anybody else's nostalgia because I can never d- d- divorce myself from the relationship that I previously had with that movie. That's fair. I know that it's not necessarily good, but I watch it now and I'm like, who is good movie? <laughs> Uh, so then we get Batman and Robin, which we, we know how the world feels about that. 8mm, which is oh, I, I don't like 8mm. Flawless, I don't know. Tigerland, Bad Company, Phone Booth, which was uh, rather, um, you know, high concept type film. Veronica Guerin, The Phantom of the Opera. 
which is not as bad as people say it is. What's Phantom of the Opera? The actual Andrew Lloyd Webber musical version of it. With uh, Gerard Butler and a tiny scar as the Phantom. Patrick Wilson is in it, but he doesn't show his ass. Emmy Rossum. I guess I have this. I have no knowledge. You would hate it. I can tell you that. You would hate it. Because it is a pure That lady's name is Christine. It is Christine, you're right. That's basically any time anybody says anything about Phantom of the Opera, like, that, is, the that, is uh, that is me. Yeah, people, people shit on that, but if you, it's purely for people that like the musical. If you didn't like yeah. the musical, you're not going to like the movie. Uh, number 23, Blood Creek, which I know you have very strong feelings oh. on. <laughs> I just choked on my own Blood Creek. <laughs> Why do you hate that movie, movie so much? Huh? Why do you hate that movie so much? I think it's stupid. That's okay. I would watch that movie again. We should watch that movie. <laughs> Fast in it. But Are you going to make that sound the entire time we record? Yes. I'm going to gurgle my own blood. Nice. We should watch that movie. Can that be my pick? You get to pick next time, so apparently it's going to be. <laughs> From now on, we're the Joel Schumacher cast. We are the Joel Schu cast. From here on out. Let's do it. So that means we have to watch a short... Uh, yeah, the rest of the stuff, I don't know. Two episodes of House of Cards. Uh, so, again, like, you look at that filmography and it's hard... You can find connecting threads. You can find uh, certain trademarks and especially Black. visual trademarks. Uh, Joel Schumacher is gay and I like and very... Um, there. I think there's a lot of that that you could see in some of his films and I think he likes to play with that kind of um how, how do I what am I saying there's elements of his kind of style I think and there's that and that's where you kind of look at like the Batman his Batmans as being mm-hmm. embracing that kind of campy homoerotic aspect of it for uh, sure now that being said Incredible Shrinking Woman uh, as a Joel Schumacher film, it's kind of fascinating. It, it is when viewed through that lens. Yes. And I think as much as this is uh, his first film, I think right away there is one thing about this movie that is so... Uh, that another director would not have done the same way, and that is the fucking color palette of this movie. It's hard to see. It is so it is like opening a bag of Skittles. This movie, no. <laughs> everything, yeah. or or like a mixed, uh, a, a better example, uh, a mixed pack of Peeps, <laughs> right? Because it's all See, this, these colors, and they're 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 soft colors. It's not like let me let me throw this at you. It's like unwrapping a cellophane tube of Smarties. Yes, that nailed it. You won. Thank you. It, you it was very hard to see. <laughs> uh, did you watch this on Amazon? I did not. Did not. Okay, so I watched it on Amazon, but I I didn't I didn't uh, you know lay out the extra buck for the high res version. Yeah, uh, I don't the high def version. I guess is what the kids call it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that would have cleared things up. It was a little fuzzy, but I I don't think that was the movie. I think that's just and it you know they're doing this from a DVD from 1980. Um, let's talk about what the movie's about. Why don't I give a quick synopsis? Okay. So a lady shrinks. Her name is... Pe- What's funny is there's a running Pam? joke about how Ned Beatty can't remember her name. Is if it it's Pam? Pat or Pam, it's, it's Pat. Pat. 
Pat Kramer. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Because you are Ned Beatty. You're so Ned Beatty. Oh, I believe that. So, Pat. Okay, so there's this broad, and she's married to, to Charles Grodin, who's like, I guess an ad guy? Yeah, he's, he's, he writes ad campaigns and okay. helps market stuff. Yeah, so he does that. And so, like, there's always these products around, and, like, her life seems hectic, but, like, she seems okay. She's only got two kids, and she has a maid. So They I think open the movie, right. and you think that this woman it has, like, ten kids and, you know, and a husband that's never home. And then you find out, like, no, just two kids, and she has a housekeeper. <laughs> interesting that you say that, because once we finally settle in to the house, Zach looks at me and says, is it just the two? And I was right? like, I was like, yeah, I guess so. Because it seems like it would be way more. The way, you know, she comes home from the grocery store and it's just, you know, bags and bags of stuff. And, like, I'm one of four. I, I, I have a bigger family. And, like, that's what it was like when we came home from the grocery store where you had all of this stuff because there were six of us in total. But, and that's the way they sell this movie is where she comes home and it's like, oh, my God, bag after bag. And it's like, oh, no, there's, like, four of you. Yeah. There was only... there. I had another human. There wasn't many of us, and it wasn't like that. I don't right. understand why they were trying to perpetrate like I, I her life they, in such a fucking world. I think they really should have. She should have had more kids. Like right away, that was one thing that really bugged me. Was it would have been more effective if she had more kids and if she didn't have a housekeeper? Yeah, because it's you know it, it's much harder to really feel like this woman lives such a hard life if you can afford to pay somebody to do a lot of things for you. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be hectic and, like, like a whirlwind, but I don't know if she's necessarily supposed to be, like, overwhelmed or upset. She seems fine. Yeah, it, it can't really, just doesn't really decide that. Yeah, I guess that's true. And they kind but of like, bring up later, they say, like, oh, is this, you know, um... You Trinking, is it representative of, you know, you feeling undervalued as a housewife? And she's like, no, not really. Like, she seems happy. Like, you know. Yeah, so it presents these ideas about, like, consumerism and a woman's role and mm-hmm. her importance. And if she's not cooking and cleaning and being a mother, does she even exist? But then it doesn't do that at all. Yeah. So it's weird. Very because, much. Because it she shrinks and her her usefulness shrinks with her and it's a really interesting juxtaposition to how she becomes this secondary thing in her family's life. But then all of a sudden there's a monkey in this movie. And <laughs> and it's a different movie. Very much so. Yeah. So I want there to be more, but it seems like it, I don't know if, if it was lack of direction or like it pulled its punches or it was trying to appeal to a lot of people or it just didn't have, I don't know. And I, I don't think know. it's a lot of things. It, so this, um, the screenplay is credited as being su- suggested by uh, the Incredible Shrinking Man, which is mm-hmm. a cute way of saying that. And the screenplay is written by Jane Wagner, who is was is and was Lily Tomlin's both romantic partner and like writing partner. Mm-hmm. So they wrote together for years. Like she wrote a lot of 
Uh, up until this point, like, Lily Tomlin was, I think, more known for, like, TV stuff and all of her characters, and Jane Wagner, like, knew how to write for Lily Tomlin. And the biggest issue with this movie, I think, is that exactly what you're saying, uh, I ended up, like, stopping kind of... I was watching this on my way to work and had to stop it right when the monkey shows up. Yeah. And then when I came back to the movie to watch the rest of it, I was watching a completely different movie. Yeah, it really is. And it's It's weird because it almost seems like... Because it's playing around a lot with the whole... Uh, mo- you know, we live in a world where everything's a chemical, and like the opening, the movie opens with, um, you know, a guy standing on in front of a supermarket trying to sell canned squirt cheese, and yep. it being it's so you know like a great way to say like how unnatural is a, is the world we're living in now that cheese comes in a can and has a shelf life of forever, and then you know the whole th- way she shrinks is that all these different chemicals. And they can't pinpoint, it's not just the perfume, it's not the cleaning stuff, it's all of this stuff together hit her in this weird combination where it makes her shrink. So you're like, okay, well you're saying something about chemicals. But then it never really does much with that, because it doesn't resolve that. Like, it later on, like, at one point, you know, she's going to tell the world how terrible this is, but... It's not like the company closes and everything's organic now. Like, no, it's not what it's going for. Um, And the other part to that of her being a housewife and, you know, and a mom and, you know, is her family the most important thing? And now it's not there. But the movie just doesn't know what to do with it. And it's weird because there's so much. I enjoyed this. Like, I did really like watching it. Um... And I was thinking some of these things would kind of pop in my head as I was watching it of like, oh, I kind of, oh, she has a housekeeper. That doesn't, that kind of hurts what they're going for. Yeah. Um, but I could still enjoy a lot of the things going on. The color, the color palette's really fun. The visuals are really neat. Um, the cast is great. Like you, you get a lot in that cast that really works. But like it just has all these elements and plants these seeds that you could make a movie about chemicals you could make a movie about you know women at this era you could make a movie about mothers but it doesn't ultimately just wants to kind of be a goofy family movie yeah which is okay if you set it up like that from the beginning don't tease me with subtext and not deliver yeah that's i guess that's my my problem with it it wasn't presented as a goofy family slapstick funny movie it gave me these really intense themes mm-hmm. and you and you, i mean the story of the incredible shrinking man uh, a big component of it is, is is always you know man's usefulness and his his how he he loses his masculinity yeah oh completely when he realizes he, he's shorter than his wife he becomes feminized to a certain degree and 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 that the reaction to that and how you deal with that and how you deal with the loss of your usefulness so to 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 plant that on top of the story you know of a woman in the home who her usefulness is is arguable because she she has i mean she has someone already in this position to take her place yeah as the housekeeper like so there's so many interesting things that could have happened and it still could have been slapsticky and goofy and funny and stuff, but like, don't like shit or get off the pot. Why did you even start doing that? If you were going to end with like a monkey chasing. And I mean, there, there hits a moment where 
the movie completely turns into about five minutes of slapstick. Yep. Like, not even exaggerating, there's an escape scene that is that is cops running and shaking their hands in the air. And it just goes on, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess that's what we're watching now. Yep. Uh, and it's just so odd. And it, it there's a moment towards the end that is very... Like, I mean, literally, Lily Tomlin's character gets a microphone and gets to say all of these things. And it's the most confused speech. Because it's like, you know, as she's getting smaller, she's trying to say all these things she needs to say. But you're like, even your character doesn't know what you're trying to say. Yeah. She's like, oh, I thought, you know, I was shrinking and I was losing myself, but I'm not losing myself. And it's important to do this. And it's important to do this. And I thought it was all about telling the world about chemicals, but it's not about the chemicals. And you're like, they ran. They're running out of time. What what is she going to say? So it's weird because it's it's really a mess. Um but yet there's still a lot about it that I just, I found it really watchable. Uh, Lily Tomlin gets to, uh, I don't know if this was the first case of like big broad comedy with your big comedic, comedic actor playing multiple roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she does that here. She's obviously, she is your protagonist. She's also the neighbor who is, um, And she's very funny as the neighbor. The neighbor is this um, kind of uh, anti-chemical corporate person, and she sells organic face cream, and um, she's fun. She gets to be very much of a caricature. And then at one point, she shows up as a phone operator. But the really odd thing is they don't do anything to make her look different. Yeah. Like, I guess her, uh, the character of Pat, might have, like, slightly lighter colored hair, but, like, how hard is it to put a wig on Lily Tomlin to not make her the same character she's talking to right now? Uh, it's odd, and I think it made sense in theory before they put it into action. Um, it didn't, it seemed really unnecessary yeah. and, and distracting to me, but it's fine. Like, I got over it because she's. Yeah, and the, she's, mo- the movie she's is confident, so, she's. Um, she's fun to watch, yeah. so like, fine, give give her more things to do. I don't care. Yeah, true. But it's it's like it's just not done the right. It's not executed correctly, I think, or effectively. Uh, so it's again, it's just kind of like, uh, okay, you you had something, you just didn't know how to put it together, and whether that was a script or Schumacher, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Landis was originally uh, going to direct it, which is interesting. And it, I do really wonder what movie that would have been. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, John Landis has made some of the best comedies of the 80s. Uh, but I don't know that he would have probed into the stuff we're interested in in this movie either. Yeah, I mean, maybe it would have been a little bit more focused. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I guess that's... In the end... Um, that's my my complaint. It, there, it lacked focus, and it was never clear what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see uh, that. That's really that's really, and it was really loud. I don't know if you found it to be. You see, I did, loud. but I felt like it appropriate. Like the opening, like the first ten minutes or so, where it's the grocery store, and then she comes home, and the kids are running around. I think I wrote in all caps in my notes: "Intro a family, kill them all." Yeah, because I just hated them. Like, oh my god, I can't. I, I cannot deal with these characters for another, for another 90 minutes. But I think it's it's establishing the chaos. That's fine. 
Uh, it kind of comes down, and something I did really like about the movie is it's very, it's made very clear that as much as her kids are kind of nightmares, they do really love her. Oh yeah, they're adorable. Yeah, like, I didn't even mean like the the family was fine. I like Charles Grodin in it. The kids were really really cute. I just I don't know like. It seemed like everybody was always yelling, and there was sometimes <laughs> music on top of music. Yeah, it's got to be a bit exhausting. That's fair. See, it's it's funny you say that. I'm again, I am the youngest of four, and growing up, it was the six of us plus many dogs and cats. So, um, whenever people that aren't related to me come to my parents' house, at some point, generally, it is. The, the statement is brought up, why is everybody shouting? Because we just talk loud, because we're so used to having to talk over people to be heard. Um, <laughs> so to me, like, loud movies like that, I'm kind of like, ah, eh, you know, it's, I get it. I get it. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, it just, it was just, for a movie that I wasn't necessarily having a great time with, for it to kind of devolve into just loud noises very like, fair. Laid over loud noises. I was just like, oh. Yeah, like, and I, I bet, I, now that I said that, I'm thinking specifically of the scene where Concepcion is uh, almost... Emily, down it was so awful. <laughs> it really, and it's an odd moment. It was so loud. Because they, they, they do this thing where they, they're setting it up like, oh, now she's kind of famous, except they need money. It's just an odd sort of thing that doesn't quite mesh together. Um, but then the, it, like, out of nowhere, it's like, oh, and Concepcion was really, had changed. And all of a sudden, Concepcion's wearing, like, you know, really tight clothes and dancing crazy to music. Yeah. And that's that's the last of that. Like, after that, Concepcion is back to being silent housekeeper. Uh, but yes, that scene is loud. There is garbage being thrown everywhere. Of course, the garbage is very colorful. Uh, yeah, this is a, a full sensory overload movie. If yeah. they were to remake it, I'm sure they would do it in 3D. It, that's a good way to put it. It was a sensory overload movie, and for a movie that wasn't working for me, I didn't want my senses overloaded. Yeah, and if it's not... And I'm, I know I have examples of movies like that for me where... oh um. Oddly enough, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is a movie that I know people love. Yeah. Um, and I don't begrudge anybody loving that movie, but that movie gives me a headache. <laughs> I can like, see that. Because it's so loud and cartoonish, and if and I'm not feeling it, and it just feels like somebody is banging me on the head with a sledgehammer. Uh, yeah, I get that. I and, and that's how I felt during this one. Understood. Uh, the Little Girl's Bed was like a like yellow and had like a little canopy that was like exactly like what my bed looked like when i was that age oh that's cute yeah yeah it was weird um the there's moments and jokes in this movie that are really sharp and weird and fun uh at one point when they first go into like the laboratory where all this stuff is happening as they walk in there's just to the side of the camera uh, there's some, there's like two scientists carrying a giant box that says like hazardous and there's some, a woman's arm like banging on it from inside. Did you get yeah. that? Yeah. And it's not explained. It's not referenced. It's really weird. And it's just there. And it's like a really wacky little side gag that you're, 
like after that, you're looking for that the whole movie. You're like, oh, what other kind of wacky things are you going to throw at me? Um, and they they don't after that, and I think they could have. Mm-hmm. Um, the advertising and the marketing stuff, again, like, it's interesting, but it's not sharp enough. Uh, it, by the way, I don't know if you listen to the end credits, um, one of the products that Charles Grodin's character is trying is doing an ad for is called Galaxy Glue. Yeah, Galaxy Glue. Yeah, the end credits, it's the entire song. It's like a three yeah. and a half minute song about Galaxy yeah, it's, Glue. It's, it gets a little old. I kind of liked it. Because <laughs> it was, again, like, I enjoy, I appreciate that they went through the effort of writing lyrics for, for all of that. Uh, but again, they don't do anything with it. I don't know who the real villain of this movie is or what the real theme of it is. Not to mix a lot of household products together. I guess so. Um, did you ever see Todd Haynes's Safe? No. With Julianne Moore? Okay. It's also on my like long list of movies we'll cover one day. Uh, but it's Julianne Moore is a housewife in the late 80s who suddenly becomes like afraid that all these chemicals are in the air and that they're all like attacking her. This would be a good good double with it. Yeah, I'd say so. Much quieter movie, though. Um, yeah. What else do you have to say about it? Um, not much. While I didn't hate it, I definitely don't think I ever need to see it ever again. Um, I wish that it had, it had actually taken some kind of stance. Oh, yeah. Or- became a fully realized something even if it was just trite silly comedy about a lady shrinking like that i would have been fine with that yeah Um, i mean it it's a movie it's it's almost like it accidentally has these really great interesting ideas yeah and i don't know if those came first and then the movie just decided not to pursue them and instead to kind of Set, sit back and be this sort of broad family, um, like wacky comedy, yeah. or if these things sort of arose with the square, it was okay. We're telling a story of a housewife who's shrinking, uh, and you know, why don't we like make a how about it's the chemicals? Yeah, let's put that in there so it's kind of asking a question, but you know, I would and I couldn't really find much about the making of this film. Uh, and this was very light Googling on my end. I didn't look hard. Um, but I was trying to really look around and see, like, oh, I wonder if there's, like, a, you know, if I can find an essay about, just about what the original script was, or all of the, like, I want to know what else this movie could have been, and I couldn't find yeah. anything. It's not talked about much. I don't think this was a big success. Um, I feel like it was very high-profile but I don't think it. I don't think it was a flop. I just don't think it made that much money. But I could be wrong mm-hmm. about that. I couldn't really find information on it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a case where like I would love. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I would love a remake, but I would really like somebody else to start from the same point and tell the story. Yeah. Without the gorilla, and I guys, this is me. I love monkeys in movies, but I didn't want the gorilla in this movie. No, not at all. It kept like making like anxious faces at And you know who camera. played the gorilla, right? No, I don't. It's Rick Baker. Oh, fresh really? off his Oscar for American Werewolf in London. Well, that Rick Baker endears designed me. and played played Sydney. 
That makes me like it a little bit more. Well, yeah, but it's, Just, it, I agree. It's like, it, like the kind of uh, typical when you put like a, an animal in a movie and you keep cutting to the animal making wacky faces. Like, no, that's what they do every time the gorilla's on screen. Yeah, like he's just anxious faces. Yeah, he's like you know putting his his fingers to his lips, and it's just very uh, dumb. <laughs> in a movie that had the potential to be really smart and subversive, yeah. I think. Uh, and even like his sidekick, that actor whose name I forget. Um, it, the, I mean, the actor's fine. He's selling it. He's goofy. But, like, this actor gets introdu- introduced an hour into the movie, and all of a sudden, like, he's the one that has to have this arc in order for things to happen. It's very odd. It's an odd choice. It is not a well-put-together screenplay. feels unfocused. Very much. Very much. Uh, yeah. Um, I did notice in the credits that V. Neal, um, did the makeup on the movie, so I'm always happy mm-hmm. to see V. Neal. Now, yeah. That's most of my notes. Yeah, I like I said, I don't have much, like, specifics. I think I, I really hit on it. Like, it wasn't like they were unaware of the themes and the ideas you can explore when you talk about someone shrinking, like in The Incredible Shrinking right. Man. But they just, I don't know... Like, but there was a decision to like kind of address those or like bring them up, but yet not move forward with them. So I don't like that. No, it seems like a lot of wasted potential. Very much, and I think it's it's definitely a um, this is such a movie of its times in that. I think a lot of big 80s comedies, that kind of happens with. Yeah. Uh, and I, 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 I'm too bruised to think of any good examples, but I feel like there's a lot of 80s comedies that kind of have these big ideas, but then step back and just end with kind of a slapstick action finale. Yeah. And this is one. And it's, it's just so frustrating because there's clearly so much going on that was suggested and could have been explored and it just hits a point in this movie and it's like right kind of after the the mike douglas interview where you're like actively saying like oh we're like what's going on here what what does this say about this woman what does this say about women okay let's keep going and now detour crazy gorilla yeah it that really is when it when i i started wandering away like looking at other things, wondering when it was going to end. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an odd, it's a mess of a movie. Um, I found it enjoyable. I Again, just the, the color palette itself, I think, is really interesting and fun. And I think, I think goes a long way in making this movie memorable. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I had no memory of actually... I, I never had watched this beginning to end... But there were so many moments in this movie where I'm like, I remember that. I remember that. And it was from this movie being on TV when I was really little and remembering things like her being in the garbage disposal in a pink outfit mm-hmm. and the yellow phone and just all these color things that are really memorable and pop out. And I, that's, that's interesting. And it, you know, it's the sign of we're doing something with this movie. It's just, the, you know, the rest of the movie isn't doing anything. Yep. All right. 
do you have any more or should we just go ahead and grade it um i don't think so i think i think i've made my piece okay. with this so quality <laughs> of film I'm going to go... Uh, yeah, what are you going to do? I'm going to go 5.75. Yeah, I was going to do 5.5. Of course you were. <sighs> I Why? No, I know. Just because I know people at home, those some, same people that tuned out when we talked about RuPaul, are like, their grades are always so close. It's like, yeah, well, because we sometimes feel the same way about movies. Uh, well, maybe... What is the next one? Quality of life? Quality of life. Mine's going to be higher. Um, six point seven five. Mine's yeah, gonna 6. be 5. Mine's gonna be five point five. Yeah, I enjoyed watching it. I had a lot of problems with it, but it's just it has yeah. so many actors that I love. I love Lily Tomlin. I love Charles Grodin. She was great. At it. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. But it's just again like so it's fun to watch. I mean, it's one that I think I think a lot of people probably have very strong memories of it as kids because it's. It's a very kid-friendly film, except there's a lot about a lot of sex in here, but not mm-hmm. just there's stuff with her and Charles Grodin that's very like. As a little kid, I would have either not gotten it or been really embarrassed. Yeah, I wouldn't. Have, I don't think yeah. I would have picked up on it. As a grown-up, it's just, it's pretty funny, like the scene where at this point she's probably about the size of a Barbie doll, and he says to Ned Beatty, um, "You know, I don't even want to. Don't even ask about our sex life." He's like, "I wasn't going to ask." <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's, it gave me chuckles. Alright, so that was The Incredible Shrinking Woman, which is uh, not streaming for free anywhere, but is on Amazon if you wanted to rent it for $3. Or yes. pony up the extra buck and be able to see stuff, I guess. Uh, on that note, so we'll now move on, take a quick break, come back, and talk about 1987, according to Christine's Inner Space. sadness, she livens my days, she bursts with a kind of madness, my well-ordered ways, my happiest mistake, the ache of my life, you must meet my wife, she bubbles with pleasure, she glows with surprise, disrupts my accustomed leisure and ruffles my ties I don't know even now quite how it began you must meet my wife my Anne one thousand whims to which I give in since her smallest tear turns me ashen I never dreamed that I could live in so completely demented Okay, Inner Space, 1987, written and directed by, okay, directed by Joe Dante and written by Joe Dante and a few other people. Okay. Now, I like Incredible Shrinking Woman. I had vague memories of seeing random scenes from it and knowing what movie it was, but never actually watching it. You also had not seen it. Correct. Okay, but both of our husbands are big fans of this one. Yeah, I guess I... Yeah, 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 I can say that. Okay. I don't know. I don't know, man. This movie... <laughs> oh! I, I remember seeing... Like, kind of how you remember certain things about Incredible Shrinking mm-hmm. Woman. I remember certain visuals of this, 
Like, I know that it was on around me. Yes, me too. But, like, I don't think the I ever... The scene with uh, where Martin was. Short and the gun that is a lighter. Always remembered that scene. Oh, see, mine is all the, like, the in-the-body stuff, the that little ship sense. stuff. That's more memorable, really. I don't remember anything else. Okay. Well, why don't you tell the folks at home what this movie is about? Okay, so this movie, it's a little convoluted. Just like, a little bit. Yeah. A, like, like it has a really simple plot, but the way we get to it is re- is a real windy road. Okay, that's so fair. So basically, a scientist doctor guy injects a really tiny Dennis Quaid into Martin Short. Martin Short? Yep. That's his name. That sounded of weird. It's Martin Short. I don't know. It's not the earliest question. My God. Like, is that is that a person's name that I just said? <laughs> Jackson and Martin Short. Hilarity ensues. That is the basic premise of this movie. But for us to get there, Dennis Quaid is a pilot, and he is going to get injected into a bunny. Yep. But there is a plot to steal. The, the shrinking and growing chips. So the doctor runs with Dennis Quaid in a syringe and then has to inject him into Martin Short in a mall yep. randomly. And then Martin Short and Dennis Quaid have to, like, again, hilarity ensues as they have to get back the growy or shrinking. Dennis Quaid is now in a tiny little spaceship inside yes, of Martin Short's body. So he has to get out of Martin Short. And he has to get out of him because he only has a certain amount of, uh, a couple of days of oxygen in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they have to get back to the lab in order to get him out. In the meantime, scientists are evil this week, huh? Yeah, kind of. Man, that's the morals of, of this episode. Don't ever trust scientists. And because there are evil scientists led by Kevin McCarthy yes. of, of UHF fame yes. and other things, but really of UHF fame. No, of, of UHF of fame. UHF fame. Uh, evil scientists who want to steal the technology, uh, as you said. And then we throw in Meg Ryan as Dennis Quaid's ex-girlfriend, uh, who is a reporter who um, will kind of help things. That You're right. It, it's, it's, it's a lot of setup to get to this. Yeah, I mean, which is fine. Yeah, and once you get there, I feel like this actually is pretty um, direct in that you don't have a lot of subplots, you don't have extra characters you don't need. That's like, very true. You know, you have a couple of quirky characters that kind of come in and out, like Martin Short's co-worker is this kind of, like, daffy blonde, uh, and she shows up kind of when needed, in a way, which is fine. Favorite uh, part of the movie. Oh, she's great. Yeah, no, she's really funny. Um, and even, like, with the scientists, like, it's very simple, like, good scientists, bad scientists. Get away from bad scientists, get to good scientists. Uh, and then we throw in Robert Picardo. Let us yes. not forget Robert Picardo, who plays the cowboy. How would you describe the cowboy? Um, he has a bad accent and a bad wig. <laughs> and a gold tooth, and he dresses like a cowboy. He does, Fantastic. Uh, yeah, like I wrote in my notes, like, you know, I, I wrote very small notes. My notes are like, Meg Ryan's hair. Um, so much smoking indoors. There's so much smoking in there. Is, it, so it's weird. almost, I, I'd say it's a theme. Yeah. There's so much of it. And it's, it's funny because Incredible Shrinking Woman, I feel like, has some smoke too. 
And it's kind of like one of those, oh my god, we're watching older movies. Yeah. I forget what Brad and I had on the other day. Oh, I think it might have just been 9 to 5 was on. And there's a moment where a character's smoking and I, like, or it's like the hero of some movie I was watching was smoking. And I look at Brad and I'm like, what is that character doing? Because you're so not used to seeing that in a movie anymore. Um, The uh, Meg Ryan's hair we should talk about. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's really bad. It's really bad, yeah. her And her... I, I won't say what kind of dress, but in the last scene, she wears a dress. That is the ugliest kind of that dress that I've ever seen. It's really ugly. Also, yeah. her leather skirt is awful. Yeah, she... I mean, she's she's cute in this movie. Like, she's typical kind of what Meg Ryan became successful at being, which is cute. Uh, she's fine. I mean, I think this is more Martin Short's movie. It's more Dennis Quaid's movie. Um. So I mean, she's perfectly serviceable, but I think everybody else is is really good. I enjoyed this. I'm just going to say that I really did enjoy this movie. I don't know yeah, if you did. It's okay. Ah, okay. I don't. Know. Meg Ryan was super boring. Um, I mean, that was get- easy. that was my biggest um qualm with the movie was that yeah she just wasn't as interesting as anybody else, and, and in terms of her character, was far less interesting than everybody else. Yeah. There's there's no real. Like no one has an arc, like nothing really happens. Short does, I'd say. He becomes reckless. Well, he becomes and a tag along, adventurous, if you will, an adventurous third wheel. Then, um, (laughs) it's just weird. Like this movie's kind of weird. Oh, it's very odd. The relationships in it are really weird. Like, like Meg Ryan seems real, like, like loosey goosey as far as like. Her her loyalties and her attractions, <laughs> which is fine, but I just don't think it's based in anything. That yeah, and again, I think that's the one thing I I wasn't fully sold on. Like we open on their breakup, basically. Dennis Quaid, yes. his character is an alcoholic, essentially, uh, and that's it's true. sort of like see, that's the thing that I, I'm so, sorry to cut you off, okay. but I guess clarify that's what i mean by the lack of arcs i get that that martin short is like this button down grocery store assistant manager who's like afraid of everything exactly which i get and then by the end he's like hanging from trucks and like Mm -hmm. you know seeking out adventure i i get that but like the whole day like but you start your you start off with dennis quaid he is who you start with Yet he has no arc. He doesn't take a journey. I would say I think there's a revelation about Meg Ryan's character. You're so coy. I love it. Because, <laughs> you know, some people might not have seen this 20-something-year-old movie. Um, you're true. You're right about that. But, like, I get Yeah, and I get it. And we, we don't know who he is by the end of the movie. But I guess, like, that, like... He's still drinking out of a flask. <laughs> Wait, true. So he's yeah, not like, I don't know. Yeah, I could, I could see your reasoning. That is, you are not wrong in that. Uh, Dennis Quaid's character is introduced as kind of, you know, like you said, reckless and has a moment that makes him say, oh, I, oh my gosh, I need to step up. But we don't actually <laughs> see that happen. Yes. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's very fair. Uh, for me, it's see, you have to, again, like I said, as a little girl, um, I, 
Okay, I guess I had a very particular type when it came to my crushes between the age of like five and eight. Um, let's go through it. Davy Jones, mm-hmm. Martin Short, and Rick Moranis. Yep. I had a type. I liked him short. I liked him little. <laughs> and a little nerdy, I guess. Um, so Martin Short in this movie um, is like my Martin Short. Oh, my. <laughs> but he's also like, this is kind of the perfect marriage of Joe Dante, who is uh, such, who is many things as a director, but one of the things Joe Dante clearly loves the old school cartoons. He loves Looney Tunes. He loves that. You know, that's an aesthetic and that's a a sense of humor that he has an affection for and is very good at channeling. And he gets to do that here. He gets to kind of make... I won't say this is a cartoonish movie. It's not. But he gets to use elements of that here and there. Primarily Mm -hmm. with Robert Picardo and Martin Short. And... It's you're pairing Joe Dante with Martin Short, and I think that really works. I think they work up to it because you start with Martin Short being very, you know, nerdy and nervous, and then you get get these kind of wacky Martin Short moments. Yeah, uh, they work for me. Well, yeah, I like Martin Short a lot in this. Yeah, and he, I think it's I think it's everything maybe that's happening around Martin Short that I'm not. Jazz about okay. See, I like he, the way they handle the villains. It's, it's Kevin McCarthy chewing scenery, which he does oh, very well. So good, and he's great. And the entire uh, where that goes, what happens to the sci- to the bad scientists? Those scenes that get really cartoony, and they involve shrinking people. We'll say yes. that much. Uh, and they're kind of filmed in both. Um, force perspective and also using like little doubles and everything all of that stuff had me laughing out loud it's entertaining yeah it's, I mean it's visual gags it's very simple it is you know Kevin McCarthy as half of Kevin McCarthy and that makes me laugh it was uh, it was funny like Zach kept pausing it to sh- to like show certain funny things and I'm like yeah I got it I got it I got it calm down so, are you paying attention are you paying attention so I think I think that there is a definite this appeals to a definite like sense of humor I don't necessarily know if that's me okay um, but like yeah I thought Martin Short was was great in it and he was really compelling and like likable and watchable and stuff yep and even Dennis Quaid, I, I, I enjoyed my my whole commentary about him not having a real arc. Right, it's not the actor's fault, it's really it's the script. Like, he's still yeah. good in it. And like I said, I don't understand Meg Ryan in it. So, putting all, if you take all those things, I, did, I didn't mind it. So, I, I mean, something was working, something was mm-hmm. successful. And it's cohesive. For being convoluted, it's it, it's cohesive. And it, it doesn't meander. It doesn't... Um, it's focused. It, it, and again, the, the ticking clock is very useful in this movie. Because, you know, you, he has, what, a, a two days or whatever it is. And it's very important to have that because it means we can't go off in different directions and waste time. Uh, and it helps it move. The, the funny thing, too, when I watched it after the movie ended, I kind of... Because I, I enjoyed it, but I'm like, you know, I feel like this is a movie we're not going to have that much to say about because it's just a very, to me, it was just a very pleasing comedy. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's, you know, there's not much as far as, you know, like we were saying with Shrinking Woman, where there's all of this, uh, you know, these underlying themes and contexts that aren't explored but are brought up. This one doesn't bring up anything. It's just, here's a kind of goofy setup, and here's how we're going to, well, here's what we're going to do with it. And and that's absolutely fine. Uh, and I enjoyed it a lot, but it's not, you know, it's it's not a movie trying to challenge you. It's just purely trying to entertain you and make you laugh. Yeah. Uh, you know, the 80s club stuff is just great because it's, oh, crimping. Remember when we used to crimp her hair? Yeah, oof. Um, <laughs> that was a thing that happened. That was huh? a thing. Uh, Wendy Shaw is that actress who was in a couple of murders she wrote. Yeah, she was really funny. Because I really thought, I'm looking at her, I'm like, she looks so familiar. Um, but the, yeah, but the big thing that she did was, or the big thing that I recognized her from was Murder, She Wrote. Okay. okay. Uh, one other thing I did really like, and made a point of pointing out in my notes, was that when they're, when Meg Ryan and Martin Short are like running away from bad guys and stuff, Meg Ryan takes her heels off. Oh, I did notice that too. Yeah, I appreciate that, because every time I watch a movie where a woman's wearing heels, I say, she can't take them off. Heels. Take them off. Come yeah. on now. I mean, I had no problem, again, let me re- restate, no problem with Meg Ryan in this movie. I didn't like that character. The character just had very, was just ill-defined, I think. I think that's yes. fair to say. Explain to me why she kissed Martin Short. Doesn't, did he kiss her or she kiss him? I thought he Or why her. they kissed he well, I think he kind of he falls for her in the movie. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, and I, guess I think I part of it is just they they've kind of presented Martin Short as being very shy and very doesn't take mm-hmm. risks, and so you get the feeling that he just hasn't dated much. He hasn't talked to women much, uh, and now he's kind of through. Um, situations out of his hands he has been thrust into a situation with this beautiful woman who is not the type of woman he would never uh have be so close to and i think it's totally natural and believable for him to fall for her yeah i guess i just didn't understand like that it didn't seem to be wholly unrequited okay i think she I don't know. I think she kind of finds him, like, cute and charming. I think it's kind of a sisterly Mm -hmm. affection for him is what I got. Uh, You know, she still obviously has unresolved feelings for Dennis Quaid. And I think it's just kind of she's one of those women who can, you know, uh, I don't know, who just, like, instantly kind of gets along and clicks with men. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, like, she just, you know, kind of takes a liking to him because he's clearly, you know, to her, especially earlier when she doesn't quite know what's going on, she just sees him as somebody who's helping her boyfriend or her ex-boyfriend. All right. Okay. I can buy that. Yeah. I think that's what I read. That's, that's my explanation. and I'm going to stick to it. But yeah, they, you know, she's a reporter she's trying to get a big story, except they drop that fairly quickly and that. You know, it becomes more about her just helping to solve this issue. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, I mean, that's, again, the thing that is less interesting or less defined than the rest of it. It just feels like, I think also, like, she's kind of the straight woman in a way. 
because because this movie is quirky and you know your villains are very broad you get martin short doing some kind of wacky stuff that she her you know dennis quaid kind of oddly enough is kind of a straight man too yeah but i mean he's in a spaceship inside martin short's body uh, and he's still kind of the um you know the cocky guy so he still gets mm-hmm. to have more fun whereas with her she's kind of there to move pieces around i think uh yeah so that, i mean that's that's a minor issue i think but yeah it definitely it doesn't click fully for me but uh that aside, i just i enjoyed this this made me laugh uh and it was different you know in the world of kind of big budget film comedies generally you find formulas and you just keep repeating them yeah and i don't know that we'd had this formula before no it's definitely interesting and there's all there's uh, there's there's enough working in its favor for the anything that maybe isn't my cup of tea to to like i don't want to say not matter but like i i sat through it i didn't want to turn it turn it off i wanted to see it to completion it was goofy but like consistently goofy Mm -hmm. so you never felt like it was it was doing something totally yeah this and i think joe dante is somebody who um does tone well and does balances tone really well yeah you think of his films and some of them can get very dark but still have this like odd sense of humor to them i mean gremlins is an example of that and Mm -hmm. with this i think it's a very consistent tone that like you know where it's playing and it's playing in this it's lighthearted but it but it's dangerous but but in a light way i guess yeah 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 so i don't know i mean i don't think i liked it as much as you did it, does, yeah, you, it doesn't sound like it yeah you re you you reaffirmed the reasons why i did like it okay like so yeah it it this this did what it was supposed to do for me it made me laugh yeah Um. all right so shall we grade it yeah sure okay uh quality of film 6.5 i would go 7.25 all right see not that close yeah there we go and quality of enjoyment I'd probably all, I'd, I'll go 7.5, I think. 6.5. Okay. There we go. That was Inner Space. Uh, was that our first Dante, Joe Dante movie? Oh, that would be shocking, was I it? I think it was, though. Yeah. As far as I know. Interesting. Um, yeah. And in, in an odd way, one, even though it is such an odd film, probably one of his most mainstream films. Yeah. Just by nature of being a kind of a big budget comedy. Uh, okay. Interesting. Now, Netflix or Instant whatever recommends. Oh, I have streaming one. Streaming recommends, if you will. How about that? I'll s- streaming recommends. That's I better. have one. It's Netflix. Actually, Ooh, I think okay. it's on Amazon, too. Please um, tell, tell the people of the world. I will. It's called The Double. I don't know it. And it's Jesse Eisenberg. I know. Oh, my. After we talked about him last time. I know, right? And, um, boy, I'm never going to be able to say her last name. But Mia... What's her last name? 
Wojciechowska, I think. Uh, I told you one time on NPR, I heard them say it and I, she was doing an interview and I didn't realize it was her until after the interview because that's, that's how little I, I recognize that last name. I'm like, (laughs) who's this zero they're talking to? (laughs) But like, I I have no idea how to say her name, but um, it's called the double and it is kind of how it sounds. It's about, is it a doppelganger movie? It is. It's there's two Jesse Eisenbergs. Ooh, God! Wait, I thought no, we don't want but, that. But like, it's so good. He's so good in it. Okay. There were times where I forgot that it was the same fucking actor. Wow! Interesting. I was like, I was like, oh yeah, this. And then I was like, wait a second, that's both Jesse Eisenberg. That's how good it is. Ooh, I'm fascinated. Now. I don't know. I liked it a lot. It's directed by um, that dude from the IT crowd. Um, I can't think of his name. I can't help you. Mm, I don't know how familiar you are with the IT I'm crowd. not familiar. I know um, of it, but... I can't remember his name. It's been my instinct queue forever, and I've never watched but it. It's, it's funny and a bit quirky, but also kind of dark. Um, uh, like, it's it's good. I liked it a lot. I'm surprised how much I liked it. Fascinating. Okay. I'm intrigued. And, and I like doppelganger movies. I, I do like doppelganger movies, yeah. Okay, my Netflix recommend, uh, I'm cheating in a different way because I'm going to do a TV show. <gasps> what? So uh, this is a show that when it, it's a new, fairly new show, I think it hasn't even started its second season yet, but it just hit Netflix Instant, and people were telling me to watch the show, Jason, who just stopped by, uh, had been like saying to me, he's like, you have to watch this, it's made for you. And I didn't start watching it because I was turned off by the title. And I'm like, oh, what I'm is tired it? Of shows that have stupid titles that are kind of offensive. Um, oh, I know exactly what it is. You know what it is. And then finally, every, everybody, including like uh, like critics and stuff, had started to say, like, no, this is actually a great show. And then finally, somebody's like, and do you know it's a musical? I'm like, what? Um, so now that it's on Instant Watch, I am two and a half episodes into Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I knew this. Is, I knew it because I thought the title of it was absolute garbage. Yep. And then I saw that Jason was enjoying it and went, well, yep. actually. And I mean, the title is like the opening song of the show, like the song they sing during the credits is a, basically about the title and the character saying like, that's offensive. Don't use that word. But they're, but it's like, it actually, it makes sense for the show. But this is so good. Again, I'm two and a half episodes into it. Um, it is a musical, and the music is glorious. And Is it? Yeah. But it's like, I think, watch the first episode. G- give it, like, the first episode, okay. give a go. Because um, you'll see what I mean. Like, the song, there's, I think, two or three songs in the first episode. One song, it's called the Getting Ready song. It's a song mm-hmm. that, it's about women getting ready to go out. And all the things they do. And it's where that goes is so funny. And I don't want to spoil it, so I won't say it. Um, but it's it's great. I mean, Rachel, Rachel Bloom. Rachel Bloom is the actor and the character is Rebecca something. It's very confusing. But, I mean, she's brilliant. She is mm-hmm. so good. And uh, it's, it's unlike anything else on TV. It is fully realized that... They, it's like frustrating because you can tell this character is going to frustrate you, but yeah. not, but in a really interesting way because clearly she's battling stuff and everything. Um, but yeah, like again, I like drilled through 
multiple episodes today, and I don't normally do that with TV. So wow. I highly recommend it. Give the first episode. I'm so I'm really surprised that they 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 gambled with that title. They I did. Um, and again, I think by the time you get to the second episode and they, the because op- I, I think the opening credits, I can't remember if the song is used in the first episode, but the opening credits of the show. Uh, explain the title and and it's again they don't just let it sit there it's not just like crazy ex-girlfriend it's like oh yeah crazy ex-girlfriend except let's talk about what that actually means mm-hmm. um so it's it's really different it's special it's the cast is fantastic uh i am now gonna be the other cheerleader for it and rep hard for it cool okay well yeah. it's ha- it's a half hour show it's an hour show but it's, I mean, an hour it's like show? 45 okay. minutes when it comes to right. uh, yeah Netflix, so All right. give it a go. Now, do you know what you want to cover for next episode? Blood Creek. Okay, what do you want to pair with Blood Creek? I don't know. I wasn't prepared for that. Okay, so we got to think <laughs> either Nazis or horses or blood, blood or creeks. creeks. Yeah, you know. Okay, I'll think about this. But we're we're gonna go on and pair something with Blood Creek. Uh, okay. That'll be fun. All right. On that note, do you have anything else to say to the fine people of the world? Thank you for listening to me not really like movies that you probably really like. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Don't you ever apologize for who you are. Aw, thanks. I need a t-shirt that says that. Aw, or a tattoo. A face tattoo. Oh, no. Then I'll be apologizing. Sorry about the face tattoo. tattoo. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose it's probably not the best idea I've ever had, but hey, it's late. It's like 10 o'clock. It is. It's like the new midnight, guys. All right, uh, folks, be safe and don't, if you get trunk, be careful. Beautiful tats all over my back. Makes me so proud. I'm going to shout it out loud. I got another tattoo. Baby. Yeah. Another tattoo. Not, 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 baby. Another tattoo, babe. Not, another tattoo. No part of me blank, I'm really ink obsessed. Yeah. It's like an art show the moment that I get undressed. Check at every job interview, that's just so impressed. Really? Cause I got all my ex-wives on my chest. Uh-huh. Over here is Clay Aiken, there's a side of bacon. Uh-huh. And a minotaur pedal fighting with Satan. Yeah. Next to Hello Kitty and a zombie ice skating. Yeah. Wait. It's Ronald Reagan. I got these dragons, I got these dolphins, yeah. I'm on me indelibly. Yeah. I've had bad reactions, yeah. bad infections, yeah. even hepatitis C. Tennessee. My friends think that I need therapy. Therapy. Need some laser surgery. Surgery. For the flaming ghost skull on my knee. Knee, 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 knee. Beautiful tats yeah. all over my back. And I've got some space here on this side of my face here for Clarinet. Yeah. All over my back. All over. And